0: God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right. Nick, what's up, brother? What's going on? Dude, so glad to have you out here. I uh I love you, bro. I love you and your wife and your family and like everything that you guys stand for and you know what you have developed and like brought to this community and uh just a true testament to to the power of god and like the restoring power of god and uh and just like an example of what can happen in your life like if you put god first and and you know really you know buy into recovery and like really try to cultivate a, a relationship with a higher power and like you know go all in into recovery you know like you hear it all the time in in these rooms where it's like i live today a life beyond my wildest dreams and yeah. you know i feel that way i know you feel that way and part of that is because you can never imagine like the places you'll go in recovery right um i would have never imagined being here you know like having a podcast and you know even living in auburn and and doing the things that I'm doing um and it's all just a blessing from being obedient and uh and trying to follow God's will and when you when you're walking in that faith and uh you know trying to be obedient to his direction you know it, it almost doesn't really matter where you go like cuz you're just you're relying on that faith and you know that things are going to work out the way that they're supposed to and you know it's always just such a beautiful journey and it's always a fun, you know, exciting journey because you never know what's going to happen or where you're going to go, but you know that it's going to be, you know, for the better of your life and for the better of other people's life. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you. And uh, so I met you a couple of years ago now. Um, my wife, Hannah, was a member of your um, recovery, faith Fuel recovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was just again one of those sayings where like, you know, our, our paths crossed and uh, you know, it's blossomed into a great relationship and, and uh just been such a blessing. So I just wanna go back and uh and kind of get your background and uh, you know, figure out how you got here to this place to where like, you know, you opened this ministry and like, you know, have been able to make that impact. So yeah. did you where did you grow up? In this area or
1: uh, so I grew up uh, up in Grass Valley. Grass Valley. Yeah, I okay. was born and raised up there.
0: You have both parents in the house?
1: Both parents, uh, two older sisters, so okay. I was the baby boy. Oh, nice. Yeah. How
0: much older, or how much younger?
1: Uh, so I was uh, two years younger from the middle, okay. and then four from the oldest. Nice.
0: Yeah. And were your parents, Do you come from a family of addiction or like dysfunction or anything like that?
1: Um, No, so... It, funny thing is uh no so we grew up uh you know going to church for the most part um you know i never really dove too much into um youth groups and stuff like that but um you know it was a good home as far as dysfunction um you know both parents you know got along for the most part um you know just we totally we thought normal right yeah um yeah like alcoholism or violence in the house, anything well, crazy like that. Funny thing was, uh, no, there was no violence or anything like that. Once in a while, uh, you know, mom would get upset um, and you know storm off. Um, come to find out later on, uh, you know, she was hitting the the wine box in the oh, kitchen yeah, yeah, while yeah. she's making dinner. Nice, you know. But uh, that, you know, at the time, it never really, you know, we didn't think anything of it. Right. So later on she came out of that that wine box admitting that she, you know, had a problem. Oh, interesting. And so now she's actually in recovery too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so awesome. she's got a couple years uh now too. So, yeah. That's great. But great parents, great mom, no. Nice. Yeah, nothing like that.
0: And how was your childhood? Like did you play sports? You know, what what were you into?
1: Yeah, so my parents uh got us into um soccer uh little league uh stuff like that um and then when i it was about i think 13 i I bought my first dirt bike Mm -hmm. and from there i just you know turned into uh you know riding dirt bikes and and doing all that that became my passion so um yeah sports i was like i'm cool on dirt bikes yeah yeah i love it
0: did you have um, older were you doing that just with friends, or did you have older you know, like male role models in your life that you looked up to or
1: uh actually, yeah, there was a seventh grade I had a teacher, uh okay. Scott mills, and he rode dirt bikes, okay and um you know i I grew up riding you know dirt bikes when I was younger um and then i I got my first dirt bike, I think it was like seventh grade, yeah, nice so
0: and so I know. I mean, just from my experience, like, the kids that were riding dirt bikes and, like, you know, kind of adrenaline type of kids were, you know, some of the first kids that were partying and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Did you, did you experience that, too? Or how old were you when, when you started seeing that kind of stuff?
1: Um, I would say right around that age. You yeah. know, I would say, like, 12, 13 for yeah. sure, um, because... Yeah, absolutely, and, like, we were not like your normal kids, you right. know? Everything we did was extreme, extreme yeah. you know? And uh, we we grew up out in the woods, like, no parents around, right. we, you know? So yep. ride our dirt bikes up to the, the, the store and have somebody buy us smokes or beer yeah. and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and ride back out in the woods. Yeah,
0: so a lot of unsupervised youth. Yeah. Yeah, I have... I share that experience, too, and, uh, you know, as fathers, you know, try to, like, it's hard, man, you know, especially, like, my parents, you know, they worked their butts off, and, um, you know, I'm so grateful for that. I never wanted for anything in my life, but, like, the being unsupervised and, like, you're almost like raised by your friend group, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why it's so vitally important, like who you're hanging out with and who your kids are hanging out with and, uh, and who you're spending time with. Cause I would say that was probably, you know, the biggest contributing factor to, um, using as a, as a young man and like, you know, getting into the things, um, that I got into is because other people were doing it,
1: Exactly. you know? Um,
0: so what, what, what was your first experience like with, with drugs or alcohol?
1: Um, I would say it was uh, my uncle had a flask and uh, every once in a while I'd see him pull it out and hit it and I had my buddy um, over Chris Sheridan and uh, it was one of those things like w- let's let's do it like, let's try it like right yeah and so we took a little pull off of it and it was like hot it burned our throats and we were like Ugh! right. And it was like, but that was it. It was gross. It was, that was like my first experience with it um, at that point. And um, And how old were you there? I was about 12. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was about 12. Um, Don't remember my first drunk, which, you know, they all kind of tied in later on. But, you know, I remember that for sure.
0: When, uh, so where did it go from there? You got into high school and did you go to high school in Grass Valley too?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I went to high school, Grass Valley. Um, the kids that I was riding dirt bikes with, um, I was friends with their sister. Uh, her sister, their sister was my age, and I was real close with her, and she had older brothers. So the older brothers I started riding with and started hanging out with more because yeah. they were you know smoking, they were stealing beers out of their dad's fridge. So then we'd you know steal beers throughout the week, you know, yeah. all the way up till the weekend and then you know taiwan on during the weekend yeah so that's kind of what what happened there
0: and were you were you seeing negative repercussions in like your friends or like older people or adults like cuz i know for me i remember looking at some older people and like seeing you know and I, obviously i had experience with people in my family that were using you know my dad was an addict uh, he got sober when I was in high school, and so I saw what drugs and alcohol did. And uh, you know, I kn- at a younger age I was like pretty anti-drugs, yeah. um, until you know I got a little bit older and like my friend group was into it. And obviously, that peer pressure has a big effect on us. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, what year did you graduate high school?
1: Uh, I was two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Wait. Yeah, 2000 I believe. okay
0: yeah was was oxycontin
1: oh yeah oh yeah and then yeah that, yeah i got yeah. hooked up on that too yeah. big time
0: and did you see older kids doing it in front of you or like no
1: no so with the um oxy um situation no uh i found pills in my parents cabinet and my their, uh no no okay. no it first started as the little red decongestant ones okay right yeah, and yeah. later find out it was like you know considered speed oh, right so yeah and and so my thing was i i'd start to look at these medications right and say oh you know may cause dizziness well i'd take two of them right right and then i'd feel the See effect how dizzy we can get here right and so i just started going through their medicine cabinet looking at this next thing you know i'm taking Vicodin. So then uh, I'm getting hooked up on you know Vicodin, yeah, and uh, find a kid at school that's selling it. And uh, one day he didn't have Vicodin, but he had something else, and Mm. it was like four times as much. And I was like, "Dude, you're crazy." He's like, "No, all you need is one." Yeah, I was like, "Man, okay." So I started taking them, and I, man, it was like a game changer, right? Right. You know, uh, a month later, two months later, after I've been taking them every day, find out it was like synthetic heroin. Right, And I was like, oh I can't believe you're doing this to me oh my gosh, give me some more yeah right because yeah. it was great yeah <laughs> you so know? you
0: became like a, a, a daily user in high school.
1: Oh yeah 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 I got kicked out of eighth grade for drinking okay that was a, another story but yeah so I was always seeking doing more you know um, so
0: when you when you started drinking I mean knowing what you know now like were the red flags for alcoholism, pretty obvious at that point? Or were you just like, <sighs> do you feel like you were ever able to control it? Or do you feel like you drank alcoholically from the start?
1: So I'm going to rewind a little bit because yeah. you asked me a question if I if I witnessed any adults that were, you know, having uh, consequences due to uh, drinking or drugs. Yeah. And um, no, I didn't. And I think because I did not, it influenced the way I drank and used. Right. Right. Because I didn't see the consequences behind it. So I drank as much as I could whenever I could, you know, and I would pass everyone up. Right. Right. And, um, it was because of that, not seeing, I didn't, I didn't witness the, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, any of the side effects of negativity or anything like that. But, um, Yeah, so. And like,
0: you know, I know for me growing up, all the people that I idolized and stuff, like, I was attracted to the image of, like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, let's say, like this big macho guy, violent, like cracking beers and like spraying alcohol and chugging and like, you know, was attracted to like the gangster outlaw lifestyle. And like, all these guys drank and used drugs, like, they all had guns. They had the women, the fast cars, the jewelry—all that stuff was like very enticing to me, yes. you know. And and it still is to you know, like that's still what our media is. It might even be worse today, right? You know, like everywhere you go, oh, you is, know it is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, you know, if especially you know today, even maybe even more, it's it's normalized. Like everybody's using, and everybody's abusing you know and it's, it's just like lust of the flesh everywhere you look right um you know guys you know how many girls can you get you know how much money can you get right you know how buff can you get like yeah <laughs> everything to the extreme right you know what i mean and uh it's wild but yeah my my experience with oxy was was similar to where it's like you know i i saw guys older than me that that were like starting to struggle with it. You know, um, we had friends that got locked up, you know, committing armed robberies Mm -hmm. uh, behind the getting and using them more, Mm -hmm. you know. And then uh, somebody in my brother's grade, who's a little bit older than me, uh, killed himself at like 18, you know, as as a direct result of of depression from from drug addiction. So like the signs were there, you know, that this is an issue. But for whatever reason, I personally felt like I had a Superman complex about everything, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't feel like I could get addicted or, like, it can't happen to me. You know, I'm above it for whatever reason. Um, did did you experience any of that, or were you just kind of so, yeah, living absolutely. in the moment?
1: Um, so, I, when it came to the um, the pill scene, right, that my whole thing was on the down low. My friends' group wasn't into that. They were just into drinking. So I was doing that on the side, and none of my friends knew. No one knew, right, mm-hmm. besides my dealer, right, which was a, a kid at school. And uh, so I was flying under the radar by myself. So I didn't see anyone else using, uh, you know, doing all that. Um, so it was kind of, you know, up to myself to figure out, you know, how things – you know, fell apart. Yeah, but um, there was a couple kids later on that um I got hooked up with down the road that yeah same thing went to jail went to prison, um, OD'd um and stuff like that. But yeah.
0: So you were able to graduate high school?
1: No. Okay. No. So uh, the pill addiction went all through high school. Um, and then I found someone and, you know, pills got too expensive. Right. And so alcohol was the next best thing. And I'm, I was always seeking people that were doing what I was doing. Right. So my friend group is over here and they're like, you know, they only drink on the weekends. Right. So then I found someone that drinks, you know, on the weeknights, too. So then I would sneak out with him. Yeah. And it was, like, just always trying to find somebody uh, that not only, like, I fit in with, but was doing what I was doing mm-hmm. because I wanted to have a good time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. You know?
0: Do you feel like you were trying to escape anything, or what, do you think it was just a natural pro, uh, progression of addiction, or what do you think was – was there anything subconscious that you were using, f- like, for or about – Like, were you trying to mask the way that you were feeling? Or, like, did you feel socially awkward? Were you using to feel normal? Uh, Do you think there was anything under the surface there? Or were you just partying and it just got the best of you?
1: You know what? So, you know, I remember the feeling that it used to give me. And um, I would be, you know, happy-go-lucky. yeah, And I felt good. And I I loved that feeling. I was the life of the party. Right. You know, and um, that's were, what I wanted for Bre- for all the time. Right.
0: Were you able to like feel that way without drugs or did drugs and alcohol <laughs> get you to that point, And that was the pull. Like I for me, you know, I, you know, wouldn't be able to go into parties and like be socially, you know, open with people and like talk right. to girls or. You know, but when I have a couple beers like I feel okay like it, you know I, I gain some confidence I'm able to you know it makes me feel in control right when I have a few beers where you know normal people they'll, they'll drink a little bit and a little bit more and then they start to lose control yeah. like the more I drink the better I feel yeah you know what I mean so yeah um, that was a big appeal for me like it changes the way that I felt you know I can relax and, and right. almost feel 100%. like I get to be who I want to be when I'm under the influence rather than when I'm sober, I just feel kind of weird and like I'm tense and, uh, you know, kind of standoffish with people, things like that. So do you feel like, or was there anything else going on at home or like?
1: No, um, no, everything was, was pretty, pretty cool and chill. Um, I just liked the way it made me feel, you know? And it's interesting because, um, you know, when I was younger, um, like, Oh, freshman year. or So, um, all my friends were like, oh, "You drink too much," and it was like, right off the bat, my uh, response to w- to that was like, "Yeah, but at least I admit I'm an alcoholic."
0: Okay. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, I
1: was like, I ch- I flipped it right, and I mm. was like, I'm okay with this because I'm admitting it. Right. And it was kind of this like joke that I had, and okay. I knew that I drank, and yeah. but I was happy I was drinking, and it, yeah, you know, it was mm. all lighthearted.
0: And there was no repercussions at home. Like, what were your parents saying?
1: So um, I obviously wouldn't, you know, do that at home. But my dad could see the behavior behind it. You know, he could see, you know, uh, chores not getting done, or I'm wanting to stay out all the time, or this or that, or I'm copping an attitude. Yeah. And so it came to a point, and and he's smart. You know, parents are smart, right? They he probably smelled it on me. I uh, smell cigarettes, weed, and all that, right? And uh, finally, it came down to, um, you know, him telling me. I mean, in high school, it was like this. I started ditch- ditching. I just started not caring because I dove every single day. At this point, I was drinking at school. I found a group of kids that was had a fake ID, and we go panhandle during during school hours. At lunch, go get a bottle, of one five one drink it at, at lunch, and then come back. So it was like every single day we were drinking, right? And one by one, we each got kicked out. But my family life, my school life, my relationship with my girlfriend, right? All those started falling apart at the same time. And it was like my senior year, had three months left to graduate. And, uh, you know, my dad kicked me out. My girlfriend dumped me because she was heading off to college. I was a raging alcoholic, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the school called me in and was like, We heard you've been drinking. And I was like, Later. And I dropped out. And it oh was wow. like, Yeah. So, but everything was cool though because I had a job.
0: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. still
1: had the job. Yeah. I still had the truck. Yeah. I was living in a tent,
0: okay. growing
1: weed. Uh-huh. So now it just meant I was free. Right. You got more time. Right. So yeah. then I started having parties out at my tent. And living life, having girls over to my tent from work. And it was the, dude, it was great. Yeah. And then slowly but surely, one of those girls, you know, got jealous of the other one. She called the cops on me. They came out to my campsite, pulled that plug. Mm. So then it was like, then I didn't have the tent anymore. Yeah. Then I the job, right? You can't drink at work too long and they'll smell it. Yeah lost that so it just slowly yeah. unraveled
0: and the like the more it unravels like the more we double down on on the alcohol and, and uh, right and the drugs because then you know when when things start to go awry like then the drugs and alcohol become a solution to the way that we're feeling absolutely it becomes like a medication to you know how our how we're feeling inside we're like I'm um, having a bad day. I can have a couple drinks and, like, forget about it. Right. Or drink to oblivion, you know, and, and really forget about it. And, uh you know, smoke a little weed, change the way that you feel, you know, whatever. Right. You're feeling stressed out. And that goes for everything, you know, even cigarettes and, like, all of it, you know. Um, so you started seeing those negative repercussions pretty heavy, like, as soon as you got out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Do you feel like you're physically addicted to alcohol? Were you still abusing Oxy at the time?
1: <clears throat> so, no, not at this time um, because it was too expensive, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but back to a question you had uh, asking if I <clears throat> would use because of, you know, circumstances at home or whatever. Whenever I got in an argument with my girlfriend, I would go drink, mm. right? So that became a pattern. Um, and then what I found is, you know, I would start making up fights so that I could go drink. Yeah. Right. And, uh, then I found anytime I got, I caught an offense, I would go drink. And so it was like, you know, I was already drinking, but it just gave me another excuse to just bounce out. Mm-hmm. Right. And go cope the way I knew. And did you have
0: any spiritual connection at this point in time? You, did you grow up in the church?
1: Yeah. So. I grew up going to church. Um, and where did that stop? And that <clears throat> I would say that stopped when, you know, kind of teenage. Yeah. Right? when. Um,
0: did you continue to pray, like, at all or maintain any type of relationship through addiction?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, a little bit, like Christmas and holidays, right? Sure, yeah. But um, for the most part, I just dove into the world, yeah. into my flesh, into... Um, you know, friends and yeah. anything that felt good, I was, I was game. Yeah,
0: pleasure seeking. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Changed the way I feel in all areas. Yeah. So. Yep.
0: Same. So, where did you go from there? So you lost the tent.
1: Yeah, lost, lost the, the tent, job. Lost the job. Lost the girl. Yeah, or girls. And um, I went homeless on some dude's grave. Oh. Yeah, I kind of. Moved into town uh, where I was closer to uh, humanity, where I could panhandle.
0: This is Grass Valley. This still? is
1: Grass Valley, and I would just go and and ask people for bus money. Yeah, and uh, I was sleeping on top of some dude's grave. In did the you cemetery. know this person? No, Mister Field. I got to know him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because how did you pick? How did you pick this graveyard and like this guy's gravesite?
1: It was uh so this graveyard, it was uh just close one to town and it's yeah. like, you know, it's quiet in graveyards. Sure, yeah. Right? It's peaceful in there. No yeah. one's harassing you, right? And the the site was kinda off to the side, so it wasn't really in view. Okay. Right? It had a nice stone like uh, area around it. And um yeah, that's where I would just hang out and Did
0: you ever see any ghosts in that graveyard?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would talk to him like he was there. oh yeah because it, I was kind of creeped out about it so I, like yeah. I like if it was a thing I wanted to be in good standing with him sure and so like I would clean up and like bring some flowers maybe, I would I would weed like pull okay. weeds or uh, during yeah, his grave yeah. and all that trying to like you know build a relationship you guys were roommates yeah, we were yeah absolutely <laughs> bunk beds yeah absolutely top and bottom <laughs> yeah so yeah he kind of had my back on some things nice. But, uh, did
0: you ever bring girls to the graveyard? One time,
1: <laughs> that's that's a different story. It come on <laughs> Yeah, one time, oh, but uh, yeah. So, so what
0: was life like then? Um. So you're just drinking every day, trying to you know panhandle for alcohol, sleeping yeah. in the graveyard. Yeah. Like, how how was your self worth? Like, did you care?
1: No, absolutely not.
0: You I mean, didn't like. You never had the feelings like. I should be doing something else. or Like, I'm not living up to my own expectations.
1: No, at this point, I was so hurt at, like, my dad and everybody else that they turned their backs on me. Yeah. Right? And uh, it's interesting because we don't, when we're in our addiction and people are, like, bringing light to it, we think that they're the enemy. Like, especially when you're not ready to admit. Like I admitted when I was younger that, but jokingly, yeah. but I hadn't stepped into admitting that I was, you know, I had a problem, you even though I was on some dude's grave.
0: Yeah, and you weren't at the place. Yeah, where like you're ready to deal with any of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So where'd you go from there? What What changed in that? So what changed
1: in that is, um, you know. <sighs> I got, let's see. I think it started with, um, it got to the point where I was, every day the cops were were starting to stop me um, because I was homeless, right? And they would start, I'd get really drunk and stumble and this and that. And every day they'd stop me, you know, and it just, it took that one time being drunk in, in public and then uh, on probation, so then after that, it was like a daily thing that they would stop me, breathalyze me, arrest me. And uh, I remember, um, you know, I got arrested one time, like uh, three times in one week. And uh, and then it became a joke with them. They would stop me to see the numbers I blew, right? And I was blowing, on average, I would blow a, a .47, and I was like, they would stop me just because they would, couldn't believe I was still talking or be able to walk or tie my shoes. Yeah. And um, it got to a point where, um, you know, I wasn't showering every day, yeah. right? And it was winter, and my feet were wet, mm. and my feet started rotting, and um, it, things got, started getting really miserable, right? Mm. And I started getting really um, desperate and cold and yeah. lonely and hungry and it was like um at that point i was in a um in the cemetery and it was like i was i was upset and i yelled at at god and i was like you know do something this was the first time i i yelled at god and told him to do something mm-hmm. you know and uh i cried out to him and literally within it was probably 3 minutes 3 to 5 minutes all of a sudden some lights came through the cemetery it was at night and uh, it happened to be a uh, police, right? And they handcuffed me, and that was like the first time that I got into recovery. So it was it was that that push that that pushed me into recovery. And um, what was that
0: first experience like?
1: Um, you know, I was I was so young that I think I was still just kind of having fun. Uh, I was about. 19 Mm -hmm. yeah i was still having fun um you know enjoying enjoying life so it was like i wasn't done yeah i wasn't done so it was like the steps and the meetings and all that like yeah i was was, i'd go right was that
0: your first introduction to any type of recovery program like 12 steps or anything like that or had you seen that before
1: so it was kind of a, a process to get there um I didn't go right after jail, obviously, um, but and I didn't get sober right after jail. But that was my first spiritual um, uh, encounter with God again in my life, right? So I had some, some experiences when I was younger, right? But not bringing addiction, <laughs> God, and myself into the picture. And so... Did-
0: did you recognize that at the time as like a divine intervention?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because I was blown away. I prayed yeah. and he answered.
0: All of a sudden. You,
1: yeah. Right. Because I, I told him I can't stop. Yeah. And he stopped me. Yeah. And um, it was after that that um, I, um, what was it? So I, after that, I, I got a job working at this hardware store. And there was some, some chick there. And she was different from all the other ones, right? There was something about her, and I just had to know what it was, right? And what it was was recovery. Mm. She was in recovery, and I wasn't. I was, I was still kind of drinking a little bit, but I was, yeah. I was managing it. And um, she, we kind of started seeing each other, and she, you know, she was in the program, and uh, I was practicing, you know, drinking, right. And um, she, I was kind of her rescue mission. Mm-hmm. Right? We all know that. Like, yeah. you know, somebody's project. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, she kind of um, was that, you know, bridging pathway to help me get into uh, a program. Right. And at, at this point, you know, I started bringing her around. You know, my parents, you know, I'd start showing up sober with her. But it was like I was still drinking, and then I got busted again. And so then they're like.
0: For drinking?
1: Yeah, for drinking. And then they're like, you need to do something. You need a rehab. And um, it took me a minute to admit. Yeah. Right? It took me a minute to admit. And finally, when I did, that's when I went into my first rehab. Okay. But like I said, I, was, I still wasn't ready. I was young and dumb. You know, yeah. it was, it was kind of something fun to do. Let's
0: talk about alcoholism for a minute, because I'm I'm also an alcoholic. Um, I traded one drug for another. I was uh, addicted to heroin, yeah, and then picked up the bottle and like felt like at the time it was the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, alcoholism. It's a it's a tough one, you know, especially in the society that we live in where it's so prevalent, you know, and like normalized and it's on every street corner, you know, it's legal. Uh, it's in every stinking household almost, you right. know, um, family members do it, but yet it is like clearly so destructive. I like it's probably, I mean, you couldn't even tally the amount of, of damage it causes right you know from from DUIs to domestic violence absolutely um you know the way that it affects your brain and like your decision making you know it changes you right what I mean it really it changes your thought patterns it you know releases your inhibitions where like your impulse control goes out the window right um you know you become somebody that you're that you wouldn't be like in a, in a sober mind. And, and right. a, a lot of people get hurt behind it, uh, physically, you know, uh, sexually, you know, women get victimized, children get victimized. Um, you know, it, it causes so much turmoil in our society. Um, you know, and we almost had it right with the prohibition, right. you know, with, with making it illegal, but you know, I don't even know if that's necessarily the answer either. You know, like, should people be allowed to make their own decisions, you know, or not? Right. Like, are we sovereign or not? Right. You know, but obviously as Christians, like, we know what God says about it. But, you know, as an alcoholic, what was your experience like with it? on the day-to-day and then, you know, like the progression of it and, you know, what are your thoughts behind it?
1: Um, man, (laughs) so my thoughts behind it is, um, it is truly a spirit. Yeah. It is truly, uh, you know, uh, an entity. Um, I mean, they, the Indians, they know what's up. I mean, they point plank. Point blank, call it spirits. Right, right. And it's interesting because, you know how blatantly it's in front of us, like right. alcohol. You know, um, there's places that are called spirits. They call it yeah. spirits, right? And um, so, right there, it tells you. And it's interesting if you look up. Um, it's like some some sort of demon that's like called alcohol, or, or yeah, I'm not I've pronouncing it right. I've heard that, but it's like dude, like, is this stuff real, right, like, it makes you think, but like you said, you drink, right, and it's like they talk about in the big book, Dr. Jekyll and uh, uh, Mr. Hyde, right, two different people, I was just talking to um, a gal the other day, and her, uh, her boyfriend, right, great dude, blacks out, hits her and she's just blown away at this. Yeah. She just can't understand it. And I was and I explained to her what what it is. Yeah. And it's not the individual, right? right? And that's what happens. We we change. Yeah. So as far as um man, I think it's evil. I think yeah. it's um yeah. And especially how um society just makes it okay. Yeah. And uh for people that can handle it, more power to you. Yeah. I don't know how that's I don't know how.
0: Yeah, I know. And even then, you know, and I, I relate this to marijuana, too, is it's like, yeah, you can use it. Like, some people can use it successfully, whatever successfully means. But right. are you living up to your to your fullest, fullest you know? Uh, I personally don't think so. Right. Um, you know, I know so-called normal people, and, like, you know, it changes them, too. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, they turn into different people, too, and, like, get a little sloppy and a little, like, right. You know, like that's a normal right. reaction to alcohol. It is. And uh, you know, for an alcoholic, and like it talks about it on the doctor's opinion, alcoholics have an allergy to where, you know, we have the phenomenon of craving that develops and like once I start I can't stop. Right. And uh and you know, there's the different levels of alcoholics, problem drinkers and and so forth. But um, you know, I process it differently where like once I start, I'm i off to the races, right. you know, and uh, it's been a progressive illness for me and, like, just got worse and worse to the point, you know, where, yeah, spent all of my waking hours under the influence and, like, just completely wrecked my life and, uh, you know, turned me into somebody that I didn't want to be. Right. Like, you know, it is interesting that they call it a spirit because it freaking robs your spirit, you right. know? It's almost like a soul sucker, like... Mm-hmm turns you into just a zombie and just a, a shell of, of yourself, you know, right, it depresses your spirit. Yeah. And it'll, it wants your life, you know, like it'll take you, it'll take your spirit from you. Right. You know, like it will kill you. Absolutely. That's where it goes. Right. It's one of those, it's one of those substances that you follow that path long enough and you're going to die. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, it's, but I, again, like, you know, I'm, I'm, who, who am I to say whether somebody should or shouldn't take it? You know, right. like right. we all have our own decisions to make, but I think, you know, as far as like our circles of influence and like our children, you know, they need to be aware of the repercussions of this. Like it's not, it's not normal, Right. you know, like it just because other people do it doesn't mean it's okay. Right. Like it does, just because it's acceptable in society doesn't mean that we should be doing it Exactly right like what does the bible teach us what do people that are successful teach us oh yeah like what are the 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 role models and influences that we're looking at all those people know right they know that it's poison you know they know what it does to our families they know what it does to our society Mm -hmm. and you know they and they recognize that and, and they you know influence their inner circle to to not abuse it too um, but especially, you know, in poverty stricken areas and like, you know, uh, lower income families, especially, uh, you know, it's just like pushed on them. Right. You know? and, and it's so ingrained in their society. And, uh, it was so ingrained in my family. Like there was no family functions without Budweiser, you know, like it was everywhere. It was like water. It was like soda. The kids had soda. The adults had Budweiser. It yeah. was normal. And as soon as we were you know of any type of age to drink we were drinking you know mm-hmm. and i just you know knowing what i know now it's like man that's a that's not really okay you right know? absolutely it's pretty wild yeah um so you went to your first rehab how old were you
1: uh like i said i was uh 19 i think okay. it was yeah yeah
0: and so you picked up a little bit. You got the the seeds planted, yeah. but you weren't you weren't done yet.
1: I wasn't done yet. Yeah, yeah. I oh, so get this. Um, and this is a a definitely a key uh, point to touch touch on, right? So I got out of the rehab, and I was I was still with that girl that I met that was in recovery, right? But then I started taking interest in this other girl, right? I didn't know like about being a, a you know, a, a nice guy. I was just living in the world, being a hoe, right? Yeah, yeah. Pardon my language, right? But uh, I was, and I was just seeking that self seeking, that instant yeah. gratification of the opposite sex, you know, and, you know, more is better, right? So I found this girl at work, right? And then, you know, kind of cut it off with the other one, this girl at work, and uh, took interest in her. Well, uh, she smoked weed and drink, right? And I told her right off the bat, I said, Hey, I'm in recovery. So uh, I think I had six months clean. I'm in recovery. So uh, I just want to let you know now, if what you're doing gets in the way of my program, and, and me being sober, peace out, kick rocks, like I'm not doing this, because like, I've had a taste of sobriety now. And now." Now I'm about it. Like, I feel good, right? I was up on that pink cloud, Mm -hmm. right? Careful of the pink cloud, right?
0: And were you working steps and and Um, doing the
1: whole deal? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a sponsor a little bit. Um, I was doing that. and um, But then what happened was, uh, you know, she'd drink and she'd smoke weed. Not around me or anything. But it was like, I think, our six-month anniversary, right? So I think I had about a year. And we were supposed to go somewhere. And she wasn't there, and so I found her. She was blacked out, drunk, right? And this was like kind of an ongoing issue. We'd make plans, she'd then go and smoking weed with her friends and bail on me. So I got to the point where I was like, "Well, you know what? I already love her, so I can't really like do anything about it. So if I can't beat them, join them." Mm. And I did, right? And so it's like. I just, I, you know, you know, careful of the people you hang out with. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times I hear uh, people getting involved in a relationship um, that is, you know, one's either practicing or one's unhealthy or they're not equally yoked. It's like yeah. my wife and I today, I mean, thank God I have met someone that's on the same page as me because right. if I didn't, I mean, who knows if I w- I'd be still, you know, sober.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, like, you see it a lot where one person, you know, is showing more of an issue than the other. And, you know, maybe it's the spouse that's like, hey, you need to, like, do something about this because your your actions, you know, like, we're having issues, whatever it is. Right. Um, but if, yeah, if they're not both on board, man, like, if one's using and one's not... Oh, yeah. Your chances are very, very low, especially, you know, and we see this a lot, too, where somebody will try to get sober for a relationship. Oh, yeah. Like, try to, I'm going to get sober to save this relationship.
1: Right, I've done
0: that. Yeah, or, yeah, me too. (laughs) And so, it's like, what happens when that doesn't work out? Yeah. Or when that person lets you down? Yep. You know, or like, whatever, you guys have issues, she leaves you I'll or even her. just a fight, you know, even just a fight. Right. And you got some separation and you don't have a foundation of sobriety. Like you're doing this for somebody else. Right. How often have you seen that work?
1: Never. Yeah. Never. It doesn't work. Never. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because uh there's this couple right now that I know. And uh, one of them's diving deep. And the other one's like. Like, uh, whatever. Like, they're just kind of going through the motions. And I'm like, you know, trying to encourage, like, hey, like, you got to get up on this on this horse because uh, she's riding that horse and hers is going faster. Yeah. Okay. And like, what happens when your horse stumbles? Like, Mm -hmm. she's doing her own thing. Like, what are you going to fall back on? Because, you know, he doesn't have the men in his life. He doesn't have the, the foundation.
0: And I'll say this, like. If you are in that position, you know, it is OK to seek help and like be that person that goes all in and, you know, try to be the change, you know, like be the role model, right. especially if you're the, the man that, and like the leader of a the household relationship. Be the person that takes that first step and like, no, we're not living like this anymore. I'm going to show you like, this is, this is the way that I want to live. Right. You know, and, and, you know, you can't force anybody into recovery, but you can be a positive, you know, role model for them. And, you know, people that I've, I've seen this in my own life, people see me in sobriety and like standing up for what's right and like living righteously. And they want to join like, they're like, okay, I, I, you know, if he's doing this, like, you right. know, maybe I should do it too. Or, you know, they, they have interest in it. Um, So if you're in that position, lead the way, you know what I mean? And be, be the positive influence and bring your freaking wife to recovery, bring her to church, right. you know, uh, or him, whatever it is, you know, like it share that with your family. And because we need each other, you know, and like you said, you, we need to be yoked together in this experience. And and, uh, you know, we go through a lot of trauma together, and we need to heal together, too. Absolutely. You know, and uh, so many families get destroyed through alcoholism and addiction, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to save that before it's destroyed, you know, obviously that that's an incredible blessing. You right. Know? And it shouldn't be taken lightly. But unfortunately, so many of us, you know, have to experience a real rock bottom where like you know you're completely stripped of everything and like Mm -hmm. i know for me i i had to get just you know demoralized right we talk about the incomprehensible demoralization like i had to be completely stripped down of of everything um what was your experience like with a rock bottom like what what was your turning point to where it was like okay i'm i'm totally done here and and i can't i can't do this anymore.
1: So which one? No. <laughs> <laughs> so right. for those of you guys that don't know, um I've been in eight different rehabs. 8. I've probably had 50 different bottoms. Um so yeah, I it kind of took me a, a little bit longer than uh you know for for most people. But I my last one well, let's just why do you think that was? Oh man. Do you think you
0: just weren't ready or did you were you really there seeking was, sobriety? Yeah,
1: man. There there was times I just, just had didn't stumbling. know how to, I didn't know how to cope with life, man. Okay, I yeah. didn't know my, I think my biggest problem is offense. Mm. You know, I didn't know how to cope with offense. Interesting. Um because something would happen, you know, yeah. and I would catch an offense, you know. And you
0: didn't have the tools to deal with it.
1: Right. Right. And it was normally stemmed around, you know, a relationship. Right. If that relationship failed, I didn't know how to go on in life yeah. without, you know, her. Right. Mm. You know, whenever I did things, I was 100% in it. So when I was in that relationship, she was my everything. Right. Right. Just like dirt bike riding, just like drinking, just like drugs, I, I put a hundred in it. Mm-hmm. So when something didn't work, I was I didn't know what else to do but drink or use. Yeah. But I think the last time um where um my bottom was I was in uh, a dumpster and <laughs> <laughs> the old dumpster story. Okay. You know. Yeah. And uh And you
0: had been homeless for a while. I right? had. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was uh yeah, I had been homeless for a while down in Roseville. And um yeah, got introduced to methamphetamine, mm. and so uh, had been doing that for about two and a half, three years on the streets down there, daily, daily, Metis, every yeah. day, all day. Um, just trying to, you know, it, it, I, I, I obviously skipped a lot. Yeah, you know, but I'll just go to the point where you know, I was in that dumpster and I was at my last bottom, man. I was, yeah. um, I was broken. I was absolutely, I was angry, Yeah. you know, I was, um,
0: and you had, you had a son and had lost custody. I had point, a son.
1: Right? That yeah. was one of the reasons I was angry. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had finally gotten married, um, to a girl I met in rehab. Okay. Um, was this his mother? This was his okay. mother. We yeah. met at Salvation Army program, mm-hmm. co-ed. <laughs> shout <laughs> right? out
0: Salvation Army. Yep.
1: Salva- shout out. Right. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I hooked up with her. She changed the way I feel for the time being. Yeah. And um, she got pregnant. I had him. Um, you know, again, it's, it's like things, you know, don't always go smoothly, right? Yeah. So then I, I I, cope or I bounce out and I relapse. And then, anyway, she, uh, she was a meth addict and she relapsed too. So she introduced me to meth. And um, from there, uh kicked me out. And I was out on the street, broken. Um,
0: she didn't like the way you used meth? Or what?
1: No, well, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it you were was,
0: hogging the bag? What happened?
1: No, a, interesting story was um, I, I've never wanted to. Um, once I started realizing, I think uh, the point when I was in the grave with Mr. Field at that point, I'd realized I don't like this anymore. Yeah. You know, this is no longer fun for me. You know, it's a, a lonely, miserable existence. And after that point, I'd always wanted to be sober after that. You know, I didn't want to be, you know, panhandling. I didn't want to be dirty, you know. And um, so I wanted I wanted sobriety. I wanted this, right? And when I met her, um, she wanted it too, but she, at the time, wasn't an alcoholic, okay? Mm-hmm. So she started, you know, drinking. I started drinking, right? So we were kind of both doing that. But uh, I don't drink like other people, right? So that's where the issue became, mm-hmm. right? I couldn't stop. yeah. And so then it was like, well, you need to leave, yeah. right? And it was just this battle back and forth. Next thing you know. You know, we're doing drugs. So she uh, kicks me out, and uh, that's where I was out on the street.
0: And so that obviously, like, sent you on a spiral. and
1: The know, biggest spiral of my life, man.
0: I have a, I have a similar story in that, you know. Um, my daughter's mom, she didn't use, but, you know, when she left um, and, like, took off with my daughter, like, I just... I, hadn't, I had no coping mechanisms other than drugs and alcohol. Right. And, like, I was, you know, at that point, like, holding a job and, like, trying to hold it together for our little family. And then when that was ripped apart, it was like, well, F it, you know? Right. Like, why am I even doing any of this? Right. You know? And I went right back into, you know, what I knew and, like, Fell back into a life of crime and uh, it just really, you know, that heartache, man, it's brutal, you know, and yes. it takes a lot of people out Um yes. and uh yeah, it, it's a rough one, especially when you throw a kid in there and like for me, my conviction of, you know, not living up to my own expectations as a father and like, mm. dude, the, the love that I had for my baby and like not being able to see her when I wanted and and uh right not being able to like experience mm. life with her the way that i wanted her like envision this whole thing working out destroyed like, I, you huh dude it was brutal you know yeah. I, d- I never expected this to fall apart and like <laughs> you know yeah. like i i wanted this nice little happy family right and when the rug was pulled under me my own doing mm-hmm. which i found later on in the fourth step yeah my fault yeah but at the time i was like how dare you woman yeah you know like and just such a deep resentment and uh, anger and i hated women you know yeah and like used and abused women and manipulated lied cheat steal and not just women i was angry at everybody right and really i was angry at myself that's it you know and it took it took some soul searching to get to that point um but that's the blessing of recovery you know Oh.
1: and it's interesting like now going b- like moving forward and doing the steps that we can look back and and see our part in it you know yeah. and like you said that you were angry at women you hated women same thing and it was like yeah. all my own doing yeah. right all my own doing and so uh and everything that you just said man you just you know spoke my story and uh yeah my thing was uh that that whole everything What since I was a little boy that I wanted that wife that family that sun, right, everything that, you know, my, I dreamed of as a young boy came true, and then I lost it, and yeah. I, it just broke my spirit. It yeah. broke my spirit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is when I was out there on the streets, um, uh, I became, my nickname is, uh, was Captain Save-A-Homeless, <laughs> right? Okay. So I would go around, and I would uh, get, you know, intimate with them. Right. And I, I'd be under a bridge smoking some dope or drinking. Yeah. And I'd say, There's a reason you're here. And I know you didn't choose this life, but what mm. is it? And I'd get personal with them. And yeah. and the stories I heard, sure. it all, majority, 90, 98% of it was because of a broken heart. Yeah. A broken heart. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how many times. You know, a broken heart led me deeper into my addiction. Yeah. And um, so that's why, you know, it clearly says, you know, they suggest don't get into a, a relationship your right. first year. Right. Like, why? Why? Because that broken heart will take you out. Yeah. Every time. I, You yeah. see it. We all see it. Right? Yeah. And um, But the stories <laughs> I heard, man, is like, no wonder you guys use meth right yeah like yeah and i finally realized no wonder you know i didn't feel that that pain yeah. right that void that emptiness but every time i'd start to sober up it was i wanted to jump off come a bridge right yeah right yeah. so uh yeah i was in a dumpster and uh i was canon how
0: come meth leads you to dumpsters like it seems like oh man know, there's, <laughs> there's treasures there's, in there's there. treasures
1: bro <laughs> There's straight treasures and trinkets and wires. Oh, and, man. Yeah, sometimes clothes.
0: Uh, yeah, I I see people like walking down the street and like their heads down, you know? Looking. Like, looking. I'm like, dude, that's a curse. Because, like, as is. soon as you find something on the ground, you do. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you're looking on the yeah, ground.
1: Right. <laughs> right. You're it just took me. Finding stuff. Right. And it took me the longest time to uh, finally get over dumpsters, dude. Because I freaking it became an issue of mine. Like I you
0: wanted to know was in there.
1: I needed to know, dude. <laughs> I wanted to know. What's
0: the best thing you ever found? Like, what was oh, what was the best score you ever came up on?
1: So I man, there's some crazy ones, but uh, I think the the best one and the weirdest hardest one was uh, I found this uh nine by 11 foot persian rug okay it was a two million count uh stitched rug and uh come to find out it was like you know three grand um it was clean as all get out business clean out dude i i i I climbed into the dumpster it was one of those big drop on the uh, commercial dumpsters yeah doors open on the back yeah So I rolled my bike up in there, right? Built up trash bags so that I could roll this this carpet. Dude, the thing weighed like three hundred pounds. Yeah, I couldn't pick it up on my bike, so I rolled it on top of my bike and wheeled it across town. How did you know it was worth anything? I I saw it, dude. The the stitch on it, yeah, dude. (laughs) When you're out there, you know (laughs) money when you see it. (laughs) Okay, you know. Where did you take it? I took it to the connect. yeah I hey, bro it. i got this rug for yeah you.
0: dude two million Persian. Right, right what did he say
1: oh she was she dude so she, she, <laughs> she yeah uh he her boyfriend will always get pissed at me he'd be like yeah. you can you can sell her a you can trade her a cardboard box that was his thing yeah but i come across good stuff and uh so long story uh longer right uh it was hard for me to get past that those yeah. old habits yeah. yeah right and um You know, when I got into recovery, man, I had, I think I had like two, no, it was like, yeah, almost two months clean. I was living up at the tea house and I, I, I went and dumpster dove. Yeah. Two months clean because it was just embedded in me. And that's why they say like, you know, old habits, right. Are hard to kick, but we have to kick those habits. I've talked to people that they're like, you know, uh, I can't get clean, um, you know, but I'm going dumpster diving tonight. And it's like, well, you put two and two together, dude. Yeah. People, places, and yes. things. Yes. You know, environments. And um, Very important. But my bottom, I was in that dumpster, man. Yeah. And uh, How were you feeling in that dumpster? Oh, man, I was miserable. Oh. I was, you know, out there when it rained. Um, feeling like trash in the dumpster? Yeah, dude. It would rain, and I'd be wet for five days later because. Brutal. The majority of people that are homeless when it rains they go find shelter. Yeah. But if I found shelter that means I would have to sober up and I couldn't like my get down was canning. Yeah. Canning and trade and barter, you know. So the hustle
0: don't stop because it rains.
1: It, it does not you stop. Know? You got to get it done otherwise you're going to sober up and you're going to yeah. feel all that stuff that all that yeah. baggage you created. Yeah. And so I couldn't stop. What about stealing? You, you know what? No. I was too scared, to too scared to steal. Yeah, I stole some cans from a church one time. How yeah. oh, dare you. Yeah, I know. I know, but I prayed about it, though. Okay, well... You know, funny. I was more in tune with God in my addiction than, than ever, honestly. Anytime I was in my addiction, I, I don't know what it is, but I get closer relationship with God.
0: Why do you think that is? The despair. Yeah. The despair. Yeah. Um. Do you... That's interesting because, you know, a lot of people come to Jesus and, like, come to God through pain and turmoil. Right. You know, and it talks about that, you know, in the Bible, like, he came for for the broken, you know. And uh, it's hard because it's, like, a lot of people that don't, you know, go through that type of struggle I don't know if they necessarily doesn't like I just feel like their path to God is is different very different you know what I mean whereas like we had like we were stripped of everything and that's all we had left right you know what I mean it was just like me and God and that was it and when I reached out he was there you know Like a loving father, never left, you know. Right, even in your despair, was with you canning. Right, you know what I mean. He was with you under that bridge with that person, like never left. Right, you know. And it, it, I, I didn't realize that until later on. Um, Do you think you can? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just more like the despair and like the desperation leads you? Because you don't have another, like option.
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, I think what it boils down to is, yeah. you know, all of us, all of humanity, seeking something. Yeah. Right. So we're always seeking something, and um, Jesus is the only way that op- the only one that offers that healing. Right. Right. From our worries, from our burdens, from our turmoil, from this world. Yeah. Right. And not only that, but he'll forgive us Man. of yeah. ourselves. We yeah. can't forgive ourselves. Right. Like, dude, I am my own worst enemy. Yeah. You know, no matter how many times I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's cool. I still have that guilt, that shame inside. Yeah. Right. That I can't let go. But, um, you know. I'll tell you what, when I was in that dumpster and I cried out to him, he answered. Every time I've been in my addiction and I called upon him, he answered.
0: Right.
1: Right? I mean, whether it was, you know, opening my eyes to see something or hearing a word from somebody. Yeah. Right. And um, oh, and I, by the way, I asked for forgiveness, asking, stealing those cans from the church. Oh good! <laughs> I actually made an amends. They probably would have gave them to you, anyways. I think they would have, but yeah. yeah. So,
0: so you were in that dumpster. You reached out to uh, to God, and and how did He answer? Like, where did
1: where did you go? So where did I go? Yeah. So here it goes. Um. So there I was, right? Yeah. And I was angry. I was hurt. I was broken. I was wet. I was miserable, um, and I yelled. I was, <clears throat> I was cussing at him. You know, I was so pissed off that it was like, why am I still doing this? Wh- then, you know, effing help me, you know. And okay. and that's what I cried out. And it was literally at that point that I felt this physical shift in between my front lobes, like it was like a tissue, like like a tear or a click or something. Mm. And I felt it, and I heard it. And it was at that point that all of a sudden I heard I heard some people talking, and I was like, "There's just people on the other side of this wall of the dumpster, and they're talking about me and I was like what and i and I peeked over, and there was no one there <laughs> and how, how many days had you been up well, oh bro this <laughs> but this is a thing is I had been up. Longer than that before, and yes. I hadn't lost my mind like this. Yeah, but I prayed, and all of a sudden it was like the veil had been lifted, dude. I prayed, and I lost my mind. Oh, wow. I lo- I straight lost it. I started hearing uh, hearing people. Uh-huh. I started seeing shadow people, um, seeing angels, seeing demons, hearing voices. Uh-huh. But it was literally at the moment I prayed. And I said, "Well, effing do something then, because I can't." He's
0: like, "Oh, here you go."
1: And he revealed he he flipped the veil, right of the spiritual realm. Yeah, and um, I truly believe I heard and saw what I needed to hear and see. Yeah, that that pushed me into recovery because I got scared. I got scared of what I heard and what I saw, and uh, because I'd never lost my mind before, I re- I prided myself. And having a solid intellect, right? Yeah. Um. Prior to drugs, prior to all that, uh, I prided myself in that, right? And that I could still do drugs for so long, and I still had my mind. Yeah. You know, I compared myself to others, and um, but it was at this point that God's like, "Okay, yeah. I'm gonna do something for you that you can't do for yourself."
0: And did you get into rehab shortly after, or where did you?
1: Uh, no, I, well, so I went around for about a week in fear for my life Yeah, because at this point it was like a week or two weeks that now like the hell's angels were after me. The, um, NA was after me, uh, everybody, the Mexican mafia, Asian mafia, I mean, everybody, the government was after me. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I was scared, dude. I was scared. I thought I was getting set up, and and then all the voices and shadows, people, and uh, yeah, it freaked me out. And I ran to probation, and I said, "I'm not leaving the front lawn until you guys get me a program." And they're like, "Nick, we already told you, like, there's no programs right now." I, well, I'm not. I'm camping out on your front lawn. I'm I'm staying, right? And uh, they're like, "Okay, we'll come back in in two weeks," mm-hmm. and I was like, "No, I'm staying." So I went out on their front lawn, and I took my backpack with all my wires, all my my nuts and bolts, and I spread it all out all over the lawn like we do, right? Yeah. All nice and organized, color-coded, alphabetical. Mm-hmm. And I passed out. And I guess it was like, you know, three or four hours later, I don't know, something like that. Um, I come to, and it's this uh, cop waking me up, and he's like, Nick, Nick. You need to get off the front lawn. You're you're scaring you're scaring people. You're scaring the clients coming in here. And I'm like, this is probation. Like, what do you mean I'm scaring people? Like, because I just was like tweaked out and strung out on the front lawn. I'm like, you know, everyone's done this before, but like I was scaring people, right? But it was it was all part of the process. So he said, Okay, Nick, get up, get up. We got you a program. And I was like, Yeah, but I'm not, you guys have to escort me there. Yeah, we gotta go now. Yeah, you can, I'm not walking, I'm not you have to drive me there. And they're like, Okay, okay. We're we're doing that. So I got in the car and uh, and I went and uh Where'd you go? I went to Coloma men's home oh. uh, for thirty days, uh, because they took into account all the, the recovery programs that I had. Um so I, I had recovery, but I just didn't know how to quite I wasn't there yet.
0: And did you feel different at this one? Yeah. Did you oh feel yeah. like something like
1: this was Oh yeah. Not going back. Yeah, I know. I was uh yeah. So, my whole thing is I didn't want to say I'm never going to use again. I'm not going back because I don't know how many times I said that before. Right. And I and I ate those words. Um but what was different was this time is I was I was angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I was angry at now myself and life. So you feel like sin. you have something
0: to prove and and
1: like i just had a focus okay i had i had a um something pushing me drive i, dr- I had a drive mm-hmm. something was fueling me um to to move forward and uh, what was the drive it was that that anger it was a righteous what were anger you
0: angry at you're angry at god for
1: no 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 not at this time no not anymore because he he rescued me yeah you know i knew right right the moment when i started losing my mind I was angry at Satan, I was angry okay. at uh the world yeah. and what's and everything in the world. I was angry at addiction. Yeah. And um that's, you know, what I was angry about. I was angry at you know, drug dealers. I was angry at anything that had to do with drugs and alcohol and that's what fueled me to um, you know, start the the process. And it's interesting because You know, for some of you guys out there that are, you know, thinking about going into a program or or whether you're you walk into an AA meeting or NA meeting and you're like, this is garbage. All they do is uh, glorify drugs or all they do is, you know, you know, GD this or that. Right. Like none of that matters. None of that matters, because if you're ready, you're ready. Like you're you are what your program's going to be. And I went through this 30 day rehab and there was dudes in there getting loaded. There was dudes in there having girls in, you know, prostitutes and all that. And I was like, I remember telling myself, I'm not here to make friends with anybody. I'm just keeping my head down, my mouth shut. I'm not, I got one track mind. I'm passing through. I'm just passing through.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's very important message. Um, And I felt the same way. Like when I was done, I was done. Like, you know, I got sober in jail and like, yeah, same thing guys were using and, and uh and you know I got caught up in the politics and stuff in there, but it was like this is it. You know what I mean? I've made this decision that I'm gonna that I'm done using. Like I'm I'm willing to do whatever it takes to change. And uh thankfully I had seen some sobriety and like, you know, had been in the rooms a little bit and uh so I knew that there was a way out, you know, and I had reached out to a higher power and like Cultivated that relationship, and and I just had that faith that uh, that I was gonna be okay. You know that as long as I, you know, held up my end of of the deal and like put in the work, and you know, bought into this program and took the suggestions and like cleaned house, right, and 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 made amends and did all all the things that are suggested that I that I could get and stay sober. You right. know, and it didn't matter. At that point, it didn't matter if I ever got my daughter back. You know, it didn't matter if I ever got out of jail or prison. Like, I needed some peace. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. I needed some peace and serenity because I was freaking broken. And I was yes. tired of living that way. And I needed something different. If And, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right? And I knew that I had to put the work in to see the change. And And so, like, that first year... Just like tunnel vision, recovery in God. Like a- anything yeah. else, like I'm not even, I can't put any focus on. Like I'm not, I'm not listening to any rap music. I'm not listening. I'm like, no, if it, anything to do with drugs, I'm out. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm not reading any violent stuff. Like I have to completely swing the pendulum to the other side because I was so far in the darkness. Yeah. Like I was lost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And as soon as I got a little, bit of that serenity i just wanted to freaking hold on to it with everything i had you know and i i just needed more of that you know and then once i figured out the only way that i could keep it is by giving it away then it was like okay like this is real you know what i mean like the more i help people the better i feel and like the better my life seems to get here Mm -hmm. and uh the more that i like seek god and and you know try to align my will with god's will the better my life gets, you know? And like, I, I saw that pretty early in it. And I was like, okay, this is profound, you know? I didn't grow up in a church and I didn't grow up in like a religious or spiritual family. So through my own like studying and, and seeking, you know, I, I came upon this stuff. And like, yeah, we we're called to be of service, but like, dude, if you're selfish, be of service because your life yes. is gonna get better. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like it is rewarding for me. It is yeah. to help other people. Like I feel better when I help other people. Yes, you know, and like the more I try to align my will with God's will, the better my life gets. Mm. You know, so if you're actually self-seeking, you should help other people. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. But the the change in our hearts, right? When we when we open that relationship to God and like receive receive that forgiveness and, like, that grace, you know, like, something changes within you to where you just want to help people, you know, and, like, there's nothing more rewarding than, than helping somebody to overcome addiction and, like, come out of that dark place and and into the light, and, uh, yeah, only, only God can, can help you through that, you know, so when you, so you got out of Coloma and, and where'd you go from there?
1: Uh, I it was so I I came out of Coloma and I went up to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, man I had this is a funny story, I always say this, but I had two bags of donated clothes that weren't even mine. Um, that's all I had on my and I and I caught a ride from um Loma up to Auburn to go to a a tea house thirty days I, sober at thirty days sober I told my dad hey I need a ride he said uh uh-uh, uh I don't believe you I don't believe you yeah right I burned that bridge but I caught a ride and um it uh so I went up to the auburn re, uh tea house it was yeah. core at the time now it's granite wellness yeah and I did uh six months up there and uh I'll tell you what you know how I don't know if you know uh like just yeah you do dorm life living right it's yeah. it's like that right and again you know people would come in drinking and using and, and i my focus at this time at this time was nothing is gonna come in the way of my recovery right nothing nothing's gonna stand in the way of me getting back my son right right at this point now i i saw uh some some goals right i saw you know i was setting goals right and now i i i had this pyramid right and i was putting goals on it right and i was and i was moving up and nothing was going to get in the way yeah right and uh i'll tell you what guys were coming home drunk and i'd give them two options i'd say you either go tell or i will or you can just leave you know that's your third option and because my thing was you're a threat to my, my recovery. Yeah. Like you don't care about me. Yeah. So either, you know, and I wasn't about to fight them because then I would threaten my, my recovery. And that's just, it. Is, man, I really had to change a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. I had to change my thinking, right. I couldn't just react all of mm-hmm. a sudden. And that's always been one of my biggest uh, issues is just reacting. Yeah. You know, um, speaking before I listen. And so I would have to, I would have to listen. I would have to think, and I'd have to pray on a situation, Mm -hmm. and and seek God's God's guidance in His Word. And it was like, okay, you know, this is what I need to do to, uh, you know, address the situation. And uh, I made it through. And um, funny story. So I'm going. uh, I'm up at the the tea house. Been up there for two months, right? met the girl oh met the girl the girl the girl okay right you know who the girl is yeah yeah uh so but i wasn't about it because i still had this like a little bit of uh you know anger in my heart Mm -hmm. towards women i I just i wasn't there yet i was still hurt were you working the steps had you done the steps i was starting i was just starting right and uh that last one situation really hurt me so I met the girl and so I wasn't about her I was I told her hey uh uh-uh I'm I'm not about this I'm not about you unless you're doing what I'm doing right and what I was doing was I was going to this church Mm -hmm. and uh at this church they had a recovery program right so I'm doing the recovery program and I'm doing AA Mm -hmm. a little bit of NA too I was doing all of it right, but I told her, "Hey, check this out. If you want to be with me, you got to get with my Jesus. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this. This is my walk. I'm, I'm going. I'm looking at God. That's my focus. Right. I don't care about chicks because I've been there. I've done that so many times, and every single time, I fall, Mm. I stumble." Right, Because I put them up on this pedestal. Right. They become my higher power. Mm. And I knew this. I've done it a thousand times over. So I was sick and tired of being sick and tired with that too.
0: And you can do that with other things, not just women. Right. Jobs, like all right.
1: types of stuff, right? Money. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to this church. I'm putting God in my life. Um, and uh, next thing you know, you know, I see her at at church, and I was like, oh, okay, right, (laughs) so, um, so we started hanging out, right, and, uh, you know, starting to get a little serious, but, uh, I'm, I'm closing in on my six months up at the tea house, right, and it's six months, month cap, Mm. like, after that, you're done, like, sorry about your luck, you know, and, uh, I go, man, God, like, open a door, because in in okay, I'll, I'll put her name out there, Elena. Right, you guys. Some of you guys know my wife, right? Uh, Elena. She goes, "Hey, why don't you just move in with me?" And I go, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a
0: trap, right? Yeah. Right?" And I'm
1: like, "It's too easy." Yeah. And I'm like, "Because I know where that will go. Yeah. I know that's not what God's will is. I know that's not that's my will. I want to do that. That's the easy way. So I go, okay, yeah. God. I go, you got to provide." I go, yeah. I, got, I got two options. One of them's move in with her. The second one is you're going to provide. Yeah. And I said, if you don't want me to move in with her, you got to bring something up because otherwise I'm moving in. And it was literally, I think, like the next day or two days later. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I had a, sh- a couple days left at the tea house, and I was going to move in with her. But I told God, hey, do this. Next thing you know, the pastor comes to me, and he goes, Hey, where? uh, How much time you got left at the tea house? And I was like, two days. He's like, well, we got a trailer on the site on the church property. I was like, yeah. He's like, all you got to do is eight hours of work a week here around the the property, and you can live there. It's like, all right, God, I see what you're doing, man. I got this, and I did. Nice. And I and I uh, it was it was so it was like leaning on you know leaning on god yeah and
0: that's you know i think that's a very important point is because like just the fact that you were leaning on god and like trying to you know walk in that faith and and seeking his will first you know it's it's crucial Uh, especially in early recovery like we lose stuff and then, you know, we're just like so focused on getting stuff back that we're, you know, we quickly fall back on old habits and like putting ourselves first. Like, I need to get this. I need to get right. that. You know, I can't be homeless. You know, I can't have no money. You know, you're willing to sacrifice maybe your morals and values to get things or like you're still manipulating people and situations Rather than just like putting that trust in God and being like, show me the way here. Right. Like, give me some guidance. Give me like give me the strength to persevere through the situation. You know, show me the direction to take here. And and ask him to open the door, you know, like shift the situation so I can, you know, see where to go here like open the door so I can find it and have the faith that that door will open. Yeah. You know, and don't try to force your foot in the door. Yeah. You know, when we're when we're trying to live in in self will and like force situations, it rarely works out. And in, if it does work out, it's going to be at the detriment of something else typically. So, you know, I yeah. don't think enough can be said about like just walking in that faith. And I know for me like an early sobriety you know, I had goals and like a direction, which I think is very important, but also like not putting a ton of uh, energy and like expectations, but just trying to be obedient and like seek God's will in situations and then do what I can do. Right. Like control the controllables and give the rest to God. Right. And like have the faith that no matter how the situation works itself out, that it's, it's for the good, yep. you know? And whether it's in my favor at the time or not, like it's in God's favor ultimately, yep. you know? And, and that's, I'm on board with that. Like I've, I've given away that control. And like when I took up God's yoke, right? That's what Jesus says, take up my yoke. It's easy, right? It's, easy, yeah. it's way easier to like live in his will because we're taken care of you know he loves us and cares for us and guides us and like gives us the strength and gives us protection Mm -hmm. you know and like everything that we need is taken care of when we're living in him and when he's living in us you know and we don't have to stress about anything you know the stress that we create Mm. is all self-imposed Yep. but really when you're living in his will and like walking hand in hand with him, there's absolutely nothing to worry about. You're taken care of, you know, and, and I, I've experienced that firsthand. I know you have too. And, uh, I don't think enough, you know, people in early recovery see that, you know, like it's hard to see it, you know, because you're so like, you're, you're, you're just healing, Mm -hmm. you know, you're still kind of foggy or you're on cloud nine and like, you're, you're, trying to get things back and, like, impress people or, or yeah. you know what I mean, whatever it is, yeah. when really you just need to be focused on, on how can I align my will with God's will and, like, seek that direction.
1: Right. And you know I, know think, I, mean? I think so many times, uh, you know, where we go wrong is uh, we get in recovery and we try to go back on what we know. right, Right. the only thing that we know, right, and what's easy to make things happen, how do I, how do I do this, Uh, you know, how do I hustle this, how do I, you know, I, 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 when it's like, man, all we got to do is surrender Mm. to him, not pick up, and all your wildest dreams will be answered. I mean, you know, it might the path might be way different than what you expected, but yeah. if you stay on it, man, it'll get better and yeah. better and better. But you have to take that that leap of faith. Yeah. Right. I don't know how many times where I faced a why in the road and I was like, Man, God, like close every door that is not of you and leave one door open so I know it's you. Right. And then when that door is open like give me some confirmation because yeah. I know what I've chose. i fail every single time. So I'm like, I'm scared to go down. What, what I know. Yeah. Right. It's always the easy, the fastest way, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, when you fully self surrender, uh, surrender your will, man, it's, uh, freeing. It is. It's not an easy thing to do though. You know, No,
0: especially a lot of addicts are control freaks. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, like you just want to control the outcome of everything, you know? And it's hard to surrender. Right you know? Um but it's really it's really the only way. Yeah. I mean, if you want if you want this type of life, you have to, you know. Um so let's talk about the steps a little bit and like yeah, the recovery program. So why do you think they work and like what did you get out of working them
1: so um, why I think they work is uh, because we get a clear look at um, how our lives how we operate right yeah um, we get to look at ourselves in in the situation um, we get to really dial in the things that that make us tick right, right? and um, and we get to do something different about it Right? Um, so I think why, why they work also is because we're not doing them on our own. Mm. So we're doing them um, with somebody. You know, I don't know how many times I've tried to get clean and sober by myself. Right. And it failed. Yeah. You know, every time I was heartbroken, I was by myself yeah. and I failed. But you know what? If I'm, if I'm standing with a group of guys and I get heartbroken... Gonna, they're going to they're going to lift me up the way i need it yeah. right they're going to encourage me they're going to say hey you know go to some scripture go to the steps yeah. go to you know pick up some literature right yeah. and i'll be able to um you know go to the source yeah. but um yeah i think uh yeah
0: the the community right the recovery like the fellowship one addict helping another is without parallel right we relate to each other we have the shared experience you know we know what it feels like you know you we can't share i mean we can share but like people don't understand what it's like unless they've been there right you know and like i can't i can explain to my mom what it's like to be a drug addict telling blue in the face but she will never understand, right? Because she has not felt it. Whereas, like, I can spend an hour with an alcoholic, and and we're brothers, right? Like we've we've we been <laughs> there, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we bond through that trauma, yes. you know. Yes. And in recovery, we bond through recovery too, right? You know, like we bond through uh, fellowship with with God and, and Christianity and 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 that as well. Um, so you know. Like your program, Faithful Recovery, you get both sides of that, right? We get to mm-hmm. fellowship together and like worship together mm-hmm. and love on each other, and we also come from the same place of, of trauma. Yeah. Um, so I think both of those are very powerful. Um, so what did you get out of the working the steps? Like, what was the what was the pivotal point in the step work? Like what what light bulbs turned on for you?
1: Yeah. So um, obviously the steps are. Designed specifically um you know step by step for a reason because as we as we go as we get clean it's like um you know first you know you admit that you're an addict or alcoholic right Mm -hmm. you can't move past that unless you do and why is that there because all of us are in denial about it in (laughs) the beginning right i don't got a problem you do yeah Right. So that's like number one, the biggest one. And then it just it continues to go through there. Then you go through, you know, uh, a a spiritual awakening. But first you have to come to an understanding of, you know, either who your higher power is or who God is. Right. Right, Or both. You know, Um, you have to, uh, like I said um, earlier, we're all we're all all of us are seeking something. Yeah. Right. If you're seeking yourself, good luck. Yeah. You gotta find something, yeah. right? That you can turn, you can turn to, right? Um, so they're designed for that for a reason. Um, and then you know, taking a, a personal inventory, looking at yourself, uh, yeah. cleaning house, right? It's all designed that honesty, right? Yeah, it's all designed for a reason, so that we don't uh, get sober, stay sober, and we're still a mic a hole. You know, yeah, like we need to. F- the dry drunk, right? Yeah, absolutely. We got to change who we are. Yeah. You know, like I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not an addict, right? I just suffer from life issues that caused me to, you know, cope yeah. with drugs, with alcohol, right? That's not who I was, mm. right? I'm Nick. I'm a good dude. Yeah. But you know, when I drink, when I use, like, I'm not that same person. Right. So um, it teaches. It helps you to uh, find yourself again, mm-hmm. right? It gets you get to um, go through, take a, a daily inventory, mm-hmm. right? Constantly, I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah, my bad. Why? Because that's very important to do, yeah. right? We gotta be, we gotta admit, right, where we were wrong when we promptly admit it, right? Because otherwise, we walk around offending people all day long. Right. Yeah. Just having that
0: awareness. Like, how am I acting? Yes. How am I behaving in society? How am I treating other people? Right. You know, am I manipulating these situations? Am I being greedy? Like, am I being a jackass? Right. You know, like, how am I being mean to my wife? Like, having that awareness, like taking that inventory. And then when you're wrong, you promptly admit it you know, and say you're sorry, dude, and mean it, and don't just say you're sorry, but actually change your behavior, right, you know what I mean, like, it's one thing to just admit, yeah, I'm an idiot, but okay, but let's, let's do something, yeah, you know what I mean, let's change our behavior, because that's how you really apologize, is by changing your behavior, right, by not doing it again, you know, how many times have we said we're going to do something, you know, in, in our addiction, and like, or said, I'm done, or, you know, this is the last time, or I'm not going to do this ever again, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we we don't change the behavior.
1: right?
0: Even if we have good intention, you know, we have to change the behavior. So for me, like, one of the big turning points was that third step when we make that decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God. Yeah. We understand Him. Yeah. So what is what is the will of God to you?
1: Uh, The will of God to me, oh, man. I would say um, is, what is the will of God? I would say um, everything that I am not, like um, the will of God being selfless, um, seeking something else besides myself, um, the will of God i mean because my will i mean look where my will has gotten me right right? so um turning my will over to god is something entirely different
0: yeah
1: right like this whole world is designed for us to be selfish in our own wills right and um so in a sense it's uh being selfless um Mm -hmm what do you what do
0: you get out of service because you you know for me that's a huge part of god's will is like being of service like doing what you can yeah be a, be a part of the solution you know whatever that looks like some people is donating some people is donating time you know some people have things to give some don't whatever it is but like be a cog in the wheel on the winning side and like be part of of you know, the solution and like be compassionate and, and positive and, and, you know, be of service wherever you're called to be of service. Right. And what do you get out of service? Like you and your wife are some of the most selfless people I've ever met. You guys do so much for, um, the community and, and for other people. And it's not from a place of like any type of self gratification Mm -hmm. like you guys genuinely care about people where does that come from and what do you get out of service
1: so um where that comes from is uh you know i think just a strong desire to um you know like i said be selfless but it's so the will of God for me, back to that question, the will of God to me is, um, you know, why did I come to the earth, this earth, right? Why, what does the word say why I came to this earth? Why did Jesus come to this earth, right, to, to serve himself or serve others, right? And so when it comes into anything that has to do with God, uh, if I'm asked, for me, it's yes and amen, because when i say no then it's like i'm almost i mean yes i have to know my boundaries right and i have to know my limits and not to burn myself out but um why we do what we do is because uh, we're doing it for god Mm -hmm. you know we have found why we are here why i went through homelessness why i went through the the path that I did, yeah. right It was all designed so that we could live this life helping others. We found our purpose right. in, in life and it's it's serving God's people, right And not all of them are God's people, right And that's more or even better, right? because then we can lead them to Christ. Um, but you know, praise God that I found a woman that is on the same path. Now trust and believe, she wasn't always like that right because when i met her she was like not not doing the god thing so like you were saying earlier uh leading by example yeah i straight was like no this is what i'm doing yeah and if you want to jump on board you got to know this is what i'm doing and it was like after that um that that 12th step you know going to another al- addict alcoholic who still su- suffers right that was now my purpose in life, mm-hmm. right? I had found my purpose in life, yeah. And now, uh, relating it with with God and His Word, yeah. I mean, I, I doubled up, you right. know. So now I have a true purpose, yeah, right. And I have a meaning in life. I'm no longer yeah. self-seeking, yes. and everything I'm I do, I try to make it edify Him. And it's interesting because, like, literally. Every time I, I was telling you, every time I come to a Y in the road, I, I pray, okay, God, is this of your will or of mine? Is this self-seeking or not, right? Is this going to benefit you and your kingdom or, or uh, your people or not? Or am I doing it out of self-pleasure, right? And those are, are the things that I ask myself today, right? Because um, I know where my self-pleasure goes, right? I know when I do things for myself, I wind up down the wrong road. But when I do things for his kingdom, you know, I had three months clean and sober. And uh, the church, uh, the pastor asked me if I'd uh, lead a 12-step Bible study. And I was like, dude, like, are you kidding me? I don't want to. Like, I could barely read. I was smoked out. I was still stuttering. Right? I was still chewing, still smoking. But I said, yes. Right? Because it was like, I felt like God was, you know, nudging me down this path so every time i've said yes a blessing has came out of it yeah every time that i've said no it doesn't quite work out right so it's like you know i don't live for myself anymore right and it's interesting because when my family when i got back into recovery and uh, my family, and, and with the um, faith-based program, right, that became my home group, Friday nights, right? Nothing was going to touch that. Yeah, I mean, nothing. I told my parents, hey, if one of you guys die, make sure you don't have your funeral on Friday night because I won't be there. I told my family that, and I was serious about that. If you guys have a birthday, don't do it on Friday nights because I won't be there. And they didn't understand that. And I told them, look, I have to put recovery and God first in my life because if I don't, you won't have me mm-hmm. right, and I had to be so serious I had to put it before my family yeah
0: before everything
1: before everything yeah. and so um you know, like I said, I just started saying yes and amen to everything um that had to do with um God and recovery yeah and um, I
0: think couple of things you said that are very powerful, like finding your purpose, you know, and that's that's such a beautiful part about recovery is that like we feel so you know empty in our addiction, and we have no direction, and we're just like wandering around pleasure seeking and like caught up in the lust of the flesh mm-hmm. and And all that, you know. And the beauty of our recovery is like all the pain and turmoil that we go through out in the streets doesn't have to be in vain. You know, we can... All that just trauma and and disaster that we cause and chaos and all that, that the devil used against us, God will turn it into purpose. Mm -hmm. Like completely change the... The whole outcome of your life, you know, and pull you out of that dark place and put you in position to use those experiences to help other people like yourself to get out and to find him. Right. To expand the kingdom of God through your pain. Amen. Through that shared pain. Yes. You know, completely flip the script and use that pain for purpose. You know, and we get to come into these rooms and and be of service and like have purpose in recovery, you know, just by being a part of a community, which we're all seeking for. We're Mm -hmm. all seeking to be a part of something, you know, greater than ourselves. Right. To be to serve something higher. And we always are, whether that's money or a job or whatever we always are seeking to serve something. You're always going to serve someone. Right. You know so what are you serving? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so in these recovery rooms we get to serve a higher power for good. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it feels good to be of service, you know, to it feels good to help people. It feels good to to share those common experiences with people, you know, and I think that that's very powerful. Um yeah
1: absolutely absolutely show me your friends and i'll show you your future yeah you know that's that's a been a big one for me yeah you know um you know that's that's one thing in in recovery that uh i've had to really take a look at and through uh the steps i've had to take a look at yeah is um you know and being careful and praying for discernment because sometimes you know uh in recovery we're faced with situations that can lead us astray yeah right and, yeah. and it goes back to those doors being open well which one do i take right or you know the group of people well which one do i hang out with right yeah. and it's like i i had to start praying on on it for discernment because i i wanted to i wanted to hang with the winners right yeah. and um, you know it was interesting i went to church and i started hanging out with all the old people I started hanging out with all the um, the elders of the church Mm -hmm. and someone asked me, why are you doing that? And I was like, because they got houses, they got cars, they're happy, they're married, they have grandchildren because they had something I wanted.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And so that was in my first, uh, you know, young stages of recovery that I did. And they, they, they literally nursed me back to, to health. They loved me back into society. When I first got, I, when I first got to church, I hated people. Mm-hmm. I, I was so broken from just how people looked at me when I was homeless that I hated middle class, I hated upper class, and I hated lower class. Mm-hmm. Right? But they, they loved me back into health, man. They, they taught me that I could trust people again and... Um, yeah, so back to the show me your friends I'll show you your future, you know. Uh once I had done that, I uh I had to understand that um I also needed like-minded people. Yeah. In my life, I need people that understood me that were walking the walk I was walking. Right. Right? Not just a group of people that didn't understand me, but I had to, you know, again stop and pray for uh, you know, discernment and direction. Mm-hmm. And um you know that's where we we dove in deep with the the church and recovery, and um, I just again I just started being a part of something bigger than myself, yeah. being of service.
0: I uh, so I didn't grow up in like the um, the faith based recovery network. Your guys's um, program was like the first faith based network I'd been involved in. Yeah. But I had I feel like all roads lead to Christ. Yeah. In my opinion. And you know, these programs uh AA and a like they lead you to a higher power, you know, and like through seeking a higher power and like the more time in in prayer and meditation and like seeking out God, the more I was led to Christ. Right and uh you know I, I think that he's he's the true way you know and the more that i've you know dove into that relationship and cultivated that relationship and like you know put my faith and time and energy into that like the more has been open to me and like the better my life has gotten you know right. yeah. and that's what i tend to do is like follow the right like feelings you know if i read something you know, try to take what I can from it. And if it doesn't feel right, you know, I, you know, I try to, you know, have discernment there. And like, the more I see Christ, like, the more I I feel that truth and knowledge, and and the more I try to, you know, live by his teachings, the better my life gets, you know, and I think that there's something real about that. What do you think, it is about Christ and about like a faith based recovery program that is vitally important and that you know is a
1: difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, to each his own, uh, you know, I'm not here to say, um, what path people should take, um, and and what what to do um but i can only say for my own experience strength and hope that um when i uh started living for god and christ that's when i truly found a bigger purpose you know a bigger meaning in my life for me to serve right and it was like you know, so I was doing NA, I was doing AA, right? And, um, but I looked at it and I was like, I, I saw a cap on it, right? I was like, I can, you know, I can serve others and, and be of service, right? But I can only go so far with this. And uh, I knew that, um, you know, there was, there was more calling me. There was something calling me to something greater, right? I'm not saying that, you know, this way is greater than that way or anything like that, but what I'm saying is, um, man, there was something calling me into ministry, and I didn't know that, right? And um, so that was was a huge turning point for me to uh, go into ministry, and um, it changed my whole direction. It changed my whole focus in life. It gave me a whole new meaning of life it gave me i mean it has given my family you know something to stand on um my you know personal family and my you know external family yeah um and uh so it, it's just it's changed everything in my life every decision that um i i take i run it by god first every everything that i do i give him the glory for for Right. I don't want any of the glory for myself because I know where that goes. You know, when it came to um, starting my own business, you know, I first and foremost give God the glory for um, running my business. Right. I don't run the business. He does. Right. That's why I got the cross and the hammer on on my truck. It's a cross and a uh, or a shovel and a uh, pickaxe, a hammer, and it's in the shape of a cross. And, uh, you know, that signifies, you know, God, and because I want to put him first and foremost in my life and everything that I do. Yeah. And so um, for me, um, it was just something bigger, something greater, uh, serving others to a different level. It was like not only serving the person, but it was serving their soul, right? And there was something behind that, um, that, you know, I can't even explain. I mean something out of this world you know yeah
0: and when you you know when you study jesus and like his story and the way that he served people and like went after you know the lost you know and and the sick and, and healed the sick and and cared for for all the downtrodden, you know, and ate with the tax collectors and, and, and all those guys, like we are those people, you know, exactly. and, and we relate with those people in recovery. So he, you know, is like the ultimate like role model for how to be period, but like how to be in recovery and like to treat people with compassion and forgiveness. Right. and. And, uh, you know, his teachings are just so perfectly in line and like set the foundation for how to live generally and in recovery, you know? And uh, so you guys started Faith Field Recovery. What year was
1: that? Oh, gosh. I think 2000. Wait, wait. No. uh, Sorry. 2020. Yeah. Nice. Sorry, I didn't finish. Uh, 2020, uh, during the pandemic. And uh, we weren't trying to. Yeah, we uh, were called to. Yeah, man. And we didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. Like, we didn't even know. And the whole, the whole time, you, um, you know, being in, in the ministry, being in the faith-based recovery, yeah. we didn't know what we were stepping into. When yeah. I said yes to that pastor about the 12-step Bible study, I didn't know what I was signing up for, right? But I, t- I said yes and amen, right? And I, because I've uh, maintained that posture of attitude... Um, it's progressed, right? And because uh, starting... So the pandemic happened. uh, The church we were in, uh, the program we were in was uh, shutting down. The uh, pandemic was happening. So people were coming to us saying, hey, so what do we do? Where do we go? And we're like, what? You know, so now we're... Why are you asking me? Yeah. Where do we go? Right. And uh, they were going to us, and we said, okay. So we prayed on it, and I was like, well, does this mean that we're going to grab the torch and carry this on? And she's like, oh, I don't know. This is uh, Elena, the, the girl who I married, ended up marrying. and So uh, she goes, I don't know about that. That's a lot of work. And I'm like, you're right. It is a yeah. lot of work. I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. A lot of heartache, a lot of tears a lot especially you know ministry can be messy and so we prayed on it right and i said okay god like if this is the direction you want this to be where are we gonna go then yeah right? i was like come on man like if this really like if this is what you want find us a spot yeah five minutes later dave ferrari calls hey i think i pronounced his last name wrong but uh he goes hey uh if you guys are looking for a spot to go, uh, you guys can use my field. And we're like, "What?" And it was just a total god shot. Every just like that. Huh? Just, just like, like that. I mean, literally, as soon as I got done with the the prayer phone, yeah, you know, he calls, and it was oh. like, from there on, every step of the way, we prayed and he answered like that. Yeah, I mean, literally, um, and so we knew that it was all meant to be. So I was like, okay, God, well, if this is it, then you know, roll out the red carpet, make it easy for us, right? Yeah. And it was like, man, people would come up, hey, do you guys need sound? Do you guys need, you know, yeah. worship? Do you guys need this? And it was like, What fell into place? Like, dude, people were coming out of the woodwork and we hadn't said anything yet. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was like it was traveling through like wildfire you know the the whole town was talking and recovery was talking and people were stepping up. Yeah. It was like, "Whoa." You know, so we stepped into it in blind faith and um it's
0: amazing how like when you're in the flow of life and like in God's will how things just work out, right? You know, and, like it when there's divine timing and like things are meant to be, they will be. Yeah. You know, and when you're obedient you know to god's will and like a vessel you know for him and and are willing you know to to carry out his work like he will he will clear the path yeah you know and it's up for you to be obedient to that and and you guys have been and what a blessing has been to so many people um you know i mean i've part oh you part of my marriage you know like (laughs) you your guys's program like hannah got into your program and, and you know has stayed sober and and you know all things led us together through divine timing and and you know
1: and you know what's funny about that real quick is uh man i always so hannah would come in so periodically these uh Uh, Young single moms would come in, pretty. They come in, and I'm like, I go and I jam them up, and I jam my wife up, and I go, go sit next to them, yeah. Go get with them, and I tell them, go sit next to my wife, and we would sit right in between them like that, and uh, protect them, right? Mother hen them because um that's what i mean so many times what takes us out the opposite sex yeah and i i've been through it thousands of times before and i already knew and so hannah came in and it was like every time she'd come in go sit next to us go sit right and i you know keep it right right next to us protected safe right mm-hmm. and it was um yeah man we always uh, had you know a special place in our hearts for hannah well, I and I then when she told that. us about you, I was like, oh, who's this <laughs> <Yeah>. dude, right? <laughs> like, we didn't even know, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Kind of protective, kind of like, what's up? And man, it was a total godshot, man. I yeah. I mean, I couldn't have uh, prayed for a, a better dude in her life, you know? You. And I mean, not only that, like, you've, you know, been a huge asset to our program and, and building onto that with the, the homeless outreach and, yeah. you know, the hygiene kits and just, um, doing this and so much more um yeah. i mean r- truly like yeah we love you guys you know you're yeah. you're the next up in line dude in the community yes. and yeah. uh you're stepping right into it filling those shoes yeah i uh, know i'm grateful you know
0: it's all it's all in god's plan and in god's right. purpose you know like brought us together perfectly in the right time and you know we're, we're here together, you know, in this community and building something real. And, uh, you know, I think, I think our future is bright, you know, and like we we can, we have the opportunity to help a lot of people and, uh, and have a great time doing it. You know, we're so, so incredibly blessed and, uh, you know, and that's just it. Like my cup is running over, you know, Mm. and I just want to like pour it into the community and, and, and give away what is so freely given to me, right? And uh, and just share that compassion with other people. And it helps me to be a better person, you know? Yes. Uh, because I come from a space of judgment, you know? Like, it's hard not to judge people, you know what I mean? And so, when I get to practice compassion in the community and just, like, judgment-free, you know, I don't know these people, but, like, just just to be, you know, to try to live by uh, God's principles and, like, be compassionate to His children, mm. you know what I mean, to my brothers and sisters out there, and, like, regardless of what they've done and what they're going through, but just, like, try to be a little bit of light in their life and show them that there's a way out of this and, uh, you know, clean their wounds and, and feed them and, and give them hygiene and, and love on them and pray for them and, you know, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, the more that I'm obedient to like these directions and and, uh, suggestions that I'm given in recovery, like the better my life gets and the more blessed I I become, you know, Um, where do you see faith-fueled recovery going in the future? And and, uh, like, what's what what direction do you feel like it's headed and like where you have goals for it? Like, where do you, where do you see this thing going?
1: Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I never even thought it would go where it is. Yeah. I had no idea. And I try not to, because like I said, when I, when I put uh, my own two cents in things, kind of, I know where things go. So what I try to do is I try to keep an open mind and, uh, Where my heart would be at is, um, I mean, I would love to one day open, you know, some recovery homes. I mean, that would that would be our next step. You know, I would love that. Um, You know, it's just okay. God, show up, show up with the funding, show up with, you know, if, you know, someone came up and said here. I'd say yes and amen. This is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't hesitate. I would know, okay, God, this is the next step. Yeah. Um to building lives, to restoring lives. Um so yeah, I would definitely say, um, you know, that would be uh on the, the next agenda that, you yeah. know, I wouldn't hold back.
0: Well, let's freaking manifest that, hey dude. Amen. Hey amen. That's right, that's dude. Too,
1: you know guys hear that out there we need uh the community to come (laughs) together and and let's make this happen in Jesus' name man. There's people dying out there.
0: Yeah, it's 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 ugly out there, man. But
1: I do have some ideas, um, you know, and uh that I'd I'd like to sit down with you and maybe we can uh put something together and yeah. And that's where like, you know, having like minded people like yourself, you know, I mean you really have, have benefited uh myself and the program and just um sharing thoughts and ideas and and that's just it is anytime someone comes up uh you know and says hey what do you think about doing this and i'm like let's run it let's run it you know you gotta back me on this you gotta encourage me right because it's it's as you guys know as you know it's it's hard to do things on your own yeah but when you uh have you know standing back to back with somebody community yeah right yeah. like a, a triple braided cord is not easily separated and uh the more people you have backing you the the easier it, it is yeah to move forward so um I agree. yeah you know uh yeah. i think uh maybe doing uh i don't know we were talking about doing the another meeting and another program um you know, I, someone just brought something up about that again today. So, you know, yes. but. Well,
0: I'm excited, you know, to see where this thing goes. And I'm excited to be a part of it and, and be tied in with you guys. And uh, I love you. and I love your family and your babies and, and everything that you stand for and everything that you've built here. And uh, I'm excited for the future, bro. Right on. And, uh, right on. I look forward to doing this again
1: that's it that's it man hey you mind if i pray us out here yes please all right thank you heavenly father for this time just to to come and just to um sharpen my iron with another brother lord um and just to um get down to it lord to to understand um what it looks like to to walk in this this life of recovery that it's not um not a perfect road lord but uh when we have brothers um backing us and for the women when they have women backing them um, it's much easier uh, we thank you for this uh, road of rec- recovery Lord uh, we ask that you just be with the addict and the alcoholic who are still out there still suffering Father that you may just uh, make a way for them to, um, to find recovery Lord to um, open that door into a program into a, a jail cell somewhere where they will seek the recovery they need in Jesus name, I pray, amen, amen thank you all right, thank you bro oh. Victorious, we became, but never forgot where we came from. Life or death, not a game, we came to change the lane. Recovery addicts, that's the name. Give yourself a break, just one day at a time. You were born to shine, so live and let love be forever. My sister, my brother, don't give in. Please remember, the lie is dead. We do recover. Welcome home.